Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what we have not give us, what we know not teach us, and what we are not make us, all for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be back with you all after a couple weeks away. Two weeks ago, I was enjoying Father's Day uh, on the eastern shore on the banks of the Y River. Emily's Uncle Ed has a wonderful house out there and a sailboat and other boats we get to play on. And so perfect weather to go and enjoy that. And then last week, I had to stay home. Lily decided to bring her cold home from daycare and share that with the family. And so I figured that I would refrain from sharing with you all. So I stayed indoors. You're welcome, Lucia. You're welcome. And uh, thanks be to God. And Lily is feeling great. She never stopped feeling great. And uh, Emily is, is back to 100%, and I'm there as well. So it's great to be back with you all after a couple of weeks away. Now, when Father Scott left town to go on vacation, I was really excited. Like, really excited. Like, go, Father Scott. No, I'm joking. Uh, it, it's good. He needs a vacation. And I was happy. He said uh, he was going to give, give me this day to preach, this Sunday. He wanted me to preach on this Sunday. So I said, that's great. I can do that. And as I was preparing and looking over the readings, thinking, great, I get, I get a sermon here. I get to be back in the pulpit. I start reading over them, and I'm like, I'm not sure about this. Should I go with Ezekiel and preach to a rebellious house and stubborn people? I don't know how that's going to go over too well. So I said, well, let me look at the gospel. There's Matthew 6 and these people taking offense at Jesus' words, and he says, not without honor in his hometown as a prophet. I don't know if I want to do that, if I should go there. And I don't know if I, I don't think I have the place yet to boast as Paul boasted. I haven't been taken to the third heavens. And so I, I need to watch my words on that one. And so I started praying more. And I said, Lord, what would you have for your people? I'm not sure about these readings. And then I thought to myself and said, well, there is the occasion of the day. And this is the first time since I've been ordained deacon and priest that uh, I can remember that the 4th of July fell on a Sunday. And so I thought, well, nobody's got any opinions about America and what's going on in America. So that's, that's safe. That's a safe topic. I, I can handle that and it'll go fine. Nobody's, nobody's going to get offended at anything I would say. And so maybe in the spirit of those readings, maybe we'll still get a little bit of that uh, because I am going to to preach on and discuss our birthday, as it were, as a nation, and what that means for us. And so I, I began to prepare and, and do some reading and, and more praying, and I actually read an article written by a woman. Her name is Kelsey Kramer McGinnis. She writes for Christianity Today, and she wrote an article a few days ago, just before the 4th of July, and it's titled, America's True Freedom is Getting to Sing About God not country. The fourth of this 4th of July, worship leaders work to focus devotion in Christ alone. And I said, well, let me send that article to my people. They'll read it. I said, no, they won't. Two people will. So instead, I'm going to share her article with you and then offer a few follow-up comments on it. So if you don't like the words you hear today, no worries. They're not mine. They're not mine. You can, you can email or call Kelsey, and you can take it up with her. 
And uh, she'll be able to uh, defend her words and her thoughts. So don't kill the messenger. Uh, So let us begin as we talk about America's true freedom. Around star-spangled holidays like Memorial Day and Independence Day, churches have often faced pressure to feature a patriotic song or two in their worship service lineups. But this year, many worship leaders are thinking more carefully about those expectations and how they can recognize a national holiday while preserving God's place as the sole focus of our devotion. Cole Willig, worship leader at The Crossing in Milton, Delaware, anticipates some criticism over the absence of patriotic content in this year's 4th of July service. I'm not going to gear the service toward a man-made nation, Willig said. My job is to provide a space for people to worship, but then also to teach what worship is. For the Christian, faith and patriotism are not simply two dimensions of identity. Worship music and patriotic music are not simply two genres of music. The worship of God through song is a distinct spiritual act of love and obedience. The singing of patriotic music is a voluntary act expressing varying degrees of allegiance and support for one's country. But throughout U.S. history, we've seen generalized Christian faith and patriotism go side by side as two complementary facets of American civic religion and identity. During the final years of World War II, the U.S. military found itself responsible for the internment of over 375,000 German prisoners of war. Those in charge of overseeing the massive internment project were interested in more than just containment. They realized that they had the opportunity to re-educate the enemy through carefully curated propaganda. Music was part of this propaganda effort. A radio broadcast called Cavalcade of American Music led German POWs through a series of musical vignettes featuring both patriotic music and Christian hymns like In the Garden and Abide With Me. A narrator referred to them as national hymns that emerged during difficult seasons with no mention of worship or Christian faith. As the music accompanying the final hymn faded into the background, the narrator encouraged the listeners to rise and stand at attention as the most glorious strains of the star-spangled banner are sung. Patriotic music is propaganda, but so is worship music in a way. To call something propaganda is not necessarily to say that it is evil or dangerous. Propaganda is information or media intended to exert influence. Patriotic music is meant to stir the emotions, to inspire devotion, and to cultivate feelings of joy or loyalty and gratitude. Worship music does this as well, though for the believer, it is most centrally a form of communication with the divine. To give a platform to both the worship of God and the celebration of America in the same service is to serve two masters, to grant power to God and the state in the sanctuary. In doing so, one makes space for the glorification of two entities that are in no way equal in the life of a Christian. Even if leaders make a distinction during services between worship music and patriotic music, A gathered congregation singing songs celebrating the state is ceding some highly prized religious freedom. 
the freedom to worship without interference and without the requirement to pay homage to the government. Those in favor of singing a patriotic song or two as part of the service often suggest that it is just a way of expressing gratitude for the freedoms Americans enjoy. This straightforward justification fails to acknowledge that there are many groups for whom Independence Day brought no additional freedom. The gratitude many Americans feel for some of the comforts of living here is distorted by the oppression and injustice visited upon their families, communities, and ancestors. Besides, there are ways to express gratitude for the freedoms and comforts one enjoys other than corporate singing in a sacred setting. Are there gray areas here? Could a prelude or postlude include a selection of patriotic tunes? Might it be a good idea to have a special music feature of some kind? Christine Loy, director of music ministry at New Hope Church in Powell, Ohio, has planned a 15-minute concert after the, the dismissal of her service today on 4th of July. She says, we work very hard to make sure that we are worshiping Jesus in our worship service on Independence Day. But she is excited to offer an opportunity for musicians in her congregation to put on a special event. Her church community includes a number of gifted horn players, percussionists, singers, and an organist whose talents she wants to showcase in this post-service concert. Does a separate event in a church provide the necessary distinction between worship and a secular celebration? It may depend on the congregation. Church leaders who will forgo patriotic music of any kind during their 4th of July services this year must still decide how to acknowledge the day. Ignoring it completely will be offensive to both those desiring some form of celebration and to those desiring an acknowledgement of America's flaws. Josh Diaz, worship and arts director at City Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, hopes that even though there are people in the congregation who might be hurt or angry, a carefully planned service will help orient hearts and minds toward Christ throughout the holiday. Songs such as Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus or In Christ Alone might serve as reminders of where believers ought to place their hope. It will be acknowledged that, yes, this is the 4th of July, said Laura Creel, an artist in residence at City Church who will lead worship on the 4th. But ultimately, we look to Christ for a new day and to model the new earth and to build the kingdom here. Diaz and Creel both spoke of the importance of corporate confession in their weekly services and noted that on the 4th, their prayer will likely include confessions such as, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. That confession could be a part of any Sunday service, but will hopefully encourage the congregation to newly consider its meaning in light of the holiday. People are longing for authenticity, said Diaz. He senses that his congregation wants honest conversation about what their neighbors are feeling, even if that means confronting differences of opinion and experience. Jason Bradley, worship pastor at City Central Church in Tacoma, Washington, said that even as someone from a military family with a deep sense of appreciation for his country, he does not plan to make patriotic music or display part of the 4th of July service. We recognize our freedom, he said, and I'm celebrating it by just doing. We have freedom to worship, so we worship and we sing. Some leaders, to be looking at, some leaders seem to be looking at this 4th of July Sunday as an opportunity to remind people here and abroad that whatever beauty or goodness American Christians attribute to their country, it is dwarfed by the glory of God. 
in conversations about the planning of worship services, leaders mentioned songs like Chris Tomlin's How Great Is Our God and Phil Wickham's Great Things. They are intentionally choosing songs that ascribe greatness, power, victoriousness, splendor, authority, and leadership to God alone. In The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis writes about the many ingredients of patriotism or love of country and how when they are out of balance, a false sense of transcendence is given to things which are very much of this world. Lewis argues that something like the benign love of one's home asks only to be let alone. And in any mind which has a penny worth of imagination, it produces a good attitude toward foreigners. How can I love my home without coming to realize that other men, no less rightly, love theirs? Kenneth Birding, professor in the New Testament, professor of New Testament in the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University, wrote in a 2016 blog post of how congregants began to request that he include patriotic music in weekly worship services in the wake of 9-11 when he was serving as a worship leader in New York. In the midst of national mourning and widespread coalescence behind the war on terror, the Syrian, Lebanese, and Iranian families in his congregation were constantly on his mind. How would an increase in patriotic content affect them? How could it not add to their feelings of alienation in a country that was growing increasingly hostile toward the foreigner? I can't imagine encouraging the singing of nationalistic songs, Birding said in an interview. This moment in America, he added, feels like a crisis, but it doesn't feel like the 9-11 crisis. It's a bit of a divergence. As leaders grapple with surging Christian nationalism in its current iteration, they're also realizing that the local church has become global during the pandemic. Because we're streaming, we've got people in Canada, in Italy, and Tanzania, said Cole Willig. This relatively small church in southern Delaware is now a global church. It's kind of forced us to get outside of ourselves. Streaming has opened the door for Christians to participate in worship services taking place all over the world. Churches that never intended to cultivate online congregations now have them and are learning to serve a more diverse group of believers and seekers. For a Christian in another part of the world, worship that places the glorification of God and country in the same space may give the impression that patriotism and Christian faith are just two parts of the cocktail of American identity. Just as the spiritually vacant broadcast of hymns to German POWs presented American Christianity as a generalized civic religion, tame and therapeutic. Kelsey Grammer is a musicologist, educator, and writer who covers worship for Christianity Today. I think her points and her thoughts give us something to consider this morning. Now, I share this article with you not to offend or instigate an argument, but to highlight what this day may mean for others. I think it's important for us to be able to express what we think about America and our relationship to it. Personally, I'm so thankful to be an American, and I do have a sense of pride about that but I keep it in perspective. I do not consider being an American to be the primary or highest aspect of who I am. America is where I was born. It has shaped and formed me. It is my home. In a way, I bleed red, white, and blue. However, there's a limit to that. 
while I give America my temporal allegiance, my ultimate allegiance of the totality of my life is reserved for God and God alone. And I see that perspective as being central to understanding what it means to be a child of God and to hold citizenship in heaven. And Christian nationalism, the belief that a true American identity is inextricably linked to Christianity, meaning to be truly American, one must also be a Christian because America is a Christian nation, is completely antithetical to this understanding. Christian nationalism elevates the importance of our American citizenship while denigrating our true and ultimate citizenship. Loved ones, our passports really don't matter to God. As Christians, we do not live to advance an earthly political agenda as though it is divine and heaven-sent. We live to advance a heavenly agenda that transcends all political ideologies on behalf of our Lord Jesus, who will one day cure all of creation of its sin-sick condition and make all things new. This happens as we love God with the entirety of our being and we love our neighbors as ourselves. Sadly, many leaders within the American church are not teaching this. I think we got a good taste of Christian nationalism as we witnessed the events that took place on January 6th, as many Christians participating in it saw it as their Christian duty to do so. I can still remember watching the replay of the events of that day and Emily pointing out to me a person in the Senate chamber carrying a Christian flag as though this is what it looked like to do the work of God. To be blunt, I saw nothing Christian about that day. I saw only the work of the evil one being carried out as people lashed out against each other and fought against one another, resulting in a woman being shot and killed on the grounds of the Capitol. Loved ones, we must do the hard work of examining our devotions and allegiances and repenting of where we have given ourselves and our loyalties to things other than Christ. As we do that, and as we live out our faith, loving God and loving others in peace and harmony through selfless acts of love, we become an outpost of heaven here on earth. We bring the kingdom of God to bear in this world and thus find ourselves truly doing the work of God. On this day, on this day that we remember and celebrate the foundation of our great country and the liberties that we have, let us also remember and celebrate our blessed hope, the return of our King and Lord Jesus Christ. Let us give thanks for the true and ultimate freedom, the freedom from tyranny of sin and death, the freedom to be servants of God and servants of each other, let us give thanks for a citizenship that will last for all of eternity as we are united with our God forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.